From Yahoo Finance, this is Electionomics. I'm Rick Newman. And I'm Alexis Christophorus. And today we are talking about Mike Bloomberg, who is now in the Democratic debates. He is more visible than he was to the nation just a week ago. And Rick, he is steadily rising in public opinion polls. Is Mike Bloomberg now the man to beat to win uh, the Democratic primary? He's getting there. Uh, he might be the moderate to beat at this point. But of course, Bernie Sanders still is polling much higher than Mike Bloomberg. And we're really getting into a situation where, uh, at least for the foreseeable future, they are, there are going to be so many candidates splitting the vote that um, unless most or until most of them drop out, um, it's the likely the most likely outcome is that nobody wins a majority of delegates. And remember, in order to get the nomination, you have to win a majority of delegates, not just a plurality. So it has to be 50.0001% of the delegates and 34% doesn't get you there. Bernie, Mar Bernie Sanders uh, has been winning elections with around 25% of the vote. Um, you know, the vote is being split like five ways, but he so he's getting 25% of the vote and winning. But 25 percent of the vote across the board throughout the primaries will not get him the nomination. And Bloomberg is now in, in some polls number two uh, with Joe Biden falling all the way down to four or five in some polls. You know, this could really lead to a contested convention yes. come July, right? What would that mean? And, and do you think that Mike Bloomberg has the upper hand in, in such a scenario? Nobody quite knows how that would play out. Um, and it depends on a lot of things. So, for, for example, it depends on. Uh, how many candidates are still e even in the race at that point? Um, so we could be down to, let's say, only three candidates in the race. Uh, it could be Sanders. Um, if Bernie Sanders continues strong, Elizabeth Warren would probably drop out because they're going after the same voters. Um, if uh, And some of the moderates have to drop out. So if Joe Biden doesn't win South Carolina, he almost has to drop out. Pete Buttigieg, uh, the former mayor, um, seems to actually be pretty well funded. But um, he could probably start doing a lot worse uh, than he did in the first couple of states just because they're way more diverse and he's not well known. Uh, so Bloomberg, we know he can stay in the race uh, till the end um, because he, has, he doesn't have to worry about fundraising. He's got plenty of money. Uh, so the question is, even if he's number two in national polls, national polls don't tell you what's, um, what's going to happen in voting at the state level. So you could be number two at the national level and win no votes because you have to win a, a, a certain um, threshold of votes in so-called proportional states. It varies by state, but um, you don't automatically win votes if you just come in third or fourth in a state So sometimes. So um, he actually has to do well in these upcoming elections starting on Super Tuesday, which is uh, March 3rd to actually start winning votes. Big difference between doing well in some polls and actually winning votes. Now, something we're seeing more and more of, and I would suspect we'll, we'll continue to see more of it, is direct attacks against Mike Bloomberg and what he has said said Big in time. the past. Yeah. Not always what he's done. There's a bit of that, too, and we'll get into that. Yep. Um, but he can be a bit salty. Uh, you know, I, I actually worked <laughs> for Mike Bloomberg uh, back in the 1990s for six years. I actually had a very good experience at the company and dealt with him oftentimes one-on-one, -on -one. Uh, saw him promote females um, all the time. He was always very respectful to me. So some of these things that I'm hearing uh, that he has said, I was not there firsthand to say whether he said them or not. Yeah. But, you know, he would um, – colorful language was spoken um, quite a bit in that yeah. office. Yeah. He could be a little salty. And you, you might chalk that up to – the culture he grew up in. He was a Wall Street guy, remember, before he became yeah. the CEO of his own company and before he got into well, he politics. he still was a Wall Street guy. I mean, when he, you know, his company is a, basically a Wall Street information platform. 
Um, and but those he was at clients. Solomon Brothers. Yeah. So this is um, so uh, a lot of this is now there is more media coverage of this now, and some of it goes back to this so-called gag gift that some of the employees at Bloomberg, uh, the company, gave to him in 1990 for his 48th birthday. So I think he started the company in 1981. So it was about about 10 years old by then. And um, it had become successful. So by, you know, in that period of time, and it was, this was not a shoe in this company from the beginning. And tell me, tell us again, what years you worked there? I was there from 90, the end of 93 through 99. So you were there on the journalism side, which is... Uh, we, I was there for uh, prior to when they had television. I was there okay. uh, just a year after they had started radio, and I was there for, for when they started TV. So in many ways, I was part of the the Bloomberg media startup, if you will. Yeah, okay. And it was an exciting time to be there. V not a lot of employees. And so we did have one-on-one -on -one access to Mike Bloomberg. So let's deal with this... Um this gag gift that has been causing Mike Bloomberg trouble ever since he entered, ele entered electoral politics in, uh, I guess it was the late 90s when he ran for New York City. So this, so some of his employees put together this booklet that they had published. It's called The Portable Bloomberg, um, The Wit and Wisdom of Michael Bloomberg. The Washington Post published this. Other news organizations have published this. And we're going to be hearing about this. So that's why I, I wanted to talk about this. So so it's I, I just printed out, it, you know, it's 30 something pages. So just to go through this a little bit. And this is going to be I think this is going to be our raciest podcast. Um, I'm, I'm just warning <laughs> Can we people bleep like, things with, out. We I might don't know. have to. Um, well, I'll ask the question when we get there. So at the beginning, it says editor's notes. Yes, these are all actual quotes. And yes, some things were too outrageous to include in this booklet. So, um, you know, not all this, this whole booklet is not outrageous quotes. A lot of it is Mike, Blo you know, how Mike Bloomberg, his philosophy on selling, his philosophy when you get rejected out of sale, things like that. But the, that's not what's making the news. And I'm going to go through a couple. So, um, Alex, I'm going to question for our producer. Am I allowed to read these things as they appear in here? Or do I? Okay. Okay. So I'm going to read. I'm going to read a couple of these things the way they actually appear in here, and you can, oh on, on behalf of everybody who's Any watching or listening, ears, you must turn yes, away. On behalf of everybody watching or listening, you can express disgust, <laughs> and then we'll and, and then we'll talk about it. On salesmanship. I've heard all, now, all they, of now, these I know. So this is, but I, some okay. of the audience okay. hasn't. So on salesmanship, this is supposedly a Mike Bloomberg saying, "Quote: Make the customer think he's getting when he's getting." Oh boy. Uh, a good salesperson asks for the order. It's like the guy who goes into a bar and walks up to every gorgeous girl there and says, do you want to f He gets turned down a lot, but he gets f a lot too. Mm. So these are things Mike Bloomberg supposedly not, said. The optics are, are not good. Uh, now, now, wait a minute. You actually got a response from the Bloomberg campaign yeah, yeah, regarding yeah. this, right? I read the whole thing to see what's in here. I counted six crude sexual re references such as those. Uh, I counted two instances when he disparaged gay people, including the use of the word I'm, I apologize. I know that's offensive and it should be. And two more instances that were just sexist remarks that weren't blatantly um, – Women passing construction as, workers, right? That yes. One. And if women had brains, uh, they would go to the library instead of going to Bloomingdale's. Bloomingdale's yeah. So um, that's, the, that's basically the extent of the ugliness. Now, here's the thing. This was out there, common knowledge, before he ran for mayor. Right. He went on to be our mayor here in New York City for 12 years. So I ask you, is something like this, it, will, it, will it have the same effect now that it's on a national stage? Will this just be, you know, people will look at this and say this was 30 years ago. My feeling is what has he done lately? Yeah. What has he said and done lately? And is, uh, and, you know, is what he said back then, is there a pattern 
is there something that we can point to that shows a pattern of this kind of behavior? Yeah, and so I, I don't I, think the answer is yes, necessarily. And I, I think that that's the way voters probably think about it as well. So let me just go. Th- so I, I'm in contact with the uh, Bloomberg campaign where we write stories about, about him. And they sent me a lengthy uh, series of statements that they've issued to other um, news organizations. So um, first of all, uh, they say Mike Bloomberg, quote, did not say the things somebody wrote in this gag gift, which has been circulating for 30 years and has been quoted in every previous election Mike's been in. So at the beginning of this this so-called gag gift, it says, yes, these are actual quotes. And the campaign says, no, Mike actually did not say these things. So who knows, right? Um, Patty Harris, who is uh, campaign chair, she was also dep- deputy mayor of New York. Patty Harris, a woman says uh, Mike has always hired and promoted women into senior leadership roles in industries long dominated by men. I think the record does support that. Um, And um, the other thing here is, um, you know, one of the statements they've been making, Mike openly admits that his words have not always aligned with his values and the way he has led his life and some of what he has said is disrespectful and wrong. So should voters care? Um, you know, he's not the only one to have this problem. Joe Biden, the older you are, the bigger this problem is. <laughs> you know <laughs> you what I mean? Because, like point to. because you have a longer record, <laughs> right. but your record reaches back further to times when um, it was prior cu- cultural standards too, were different. It, exactly. Cultural standards exactly. were different. So one thing, I, as far as I know, um, nobody has ever accused Bloomberg of sexual harassment. No, not totally different. Correct. Totally different from the accusations against some accusations against President Trump, the Harvey Weinstein. I mean, Trump is at, Trump is actually being sued for rape mm-hmm. uh, as we as we speak, and as he and, sits and, in the White House. Yeah. So he, he's the and Biden has against, been has been accused of being too handsy and yeah. touchy feely, yeah. right? And that, that nothing like that has ever sur- surfaced with Michael Bloomberg, right? As far as we know. As far as we know. Um, the company so, has been brought up on some sexual harassment issues, but that's the company, yeah. not the man. So you know you're. Uh, you're, you're, this is a situation where uh, I mean, this sounds like I mean, I don't work in finance. I've never worked in finance, but I've worked around finance, and I've heard the stories, and some of them are grotesque. I mean, look, I I spent years <laughs> reporting from the floor of the New York Stock Exchange, where it was male dominated, and actually still is, although the number of overall people there is much smaller. And you know, it can be crude. Um, so I think these things go on. I've never, I've never seen it myself, but uh, in, I suppose it's you know, traders talking big. But we all know the BSD um, vibe on Wall Street, and it's totally driven by alpha males. And trading culture is just fast money culture, and you you spend it, you buy bling, you blow it, you go make some more. Now, what that about, is the culture we're talking about? That here, is the right? culture, and it's the culture that Michael Bloomberg grew up in yes. and became successful in, frankly. Right. But now we can look to more recent times: things he has said, not said, things he has done, and 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 um, stop and frisk comes to mind, right? Because yeah. he, this is a big part of his platform when he was mayor, got behind this, defended it vehemently, and just recently, when he, when it was clear that he was going to stay in the race and needed the black vote. He apologized for stop yeah. and frisk. Yeah. I think that is more of a legitimate uh, point for for the rivals, the, the Democratic rivals, to attack Mike Bloomberg yeah. than than this 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 thing from 1990. And he is also getting support from a lot of black mayors uh, who say, um, and I think the reason is because he's actively supports these programs with his uh, philanthropy and with, um, yeah, I mean. He does have a record, and I think as his campaign develops, I think they will probably do a better job of making this record known. But like for a few years now, um, I think since he ended um, his term as mayor, when did he? When, when was his last year as mayor in New York? Do you remember? Twenty 
13, was it? So it was 01 to 13. I three terms. So, yeah. yeah. That sounds right. So, 12 years, yeah. I mean, he's had a philanthropy that is um, interested in public policy at all levels, at the federal, um, state, and local level. And he's done things to reduce gun violence in inner cities, for example. I mean, and he's got mayors saying, um, you know, he's kind of gotten right with me on stop and frisk. And by the way, he's actually done good for the community here. And uh, again, you know, when you when I asked the Bloomberg campaign for, uh, for you know, for an explanation, um, you know, with regard to some of these statements, these sort of um, crude sexual statements, he's saying, look, he's got policies to improve health care for women, including low income women. Uh, he wants to lock in Roe v. Wade, the uh, the law that says abortion is legal and other things like that that would that would benefit women. So. Um, this is – he's certainly not the first candidate to have to face this problem of things you said in the past. I think so far um, he's probably handling it well and – but you can't lie. And I think that's been the smartest thing about it is that he hasn't lied about he's it. He's fessed up, right? Yeah. To me, the, the best answer here is what I said before. You know, an acknowledgement uh, by a spokesperson, Mike simply did not say uh, – sorry. Uh, Mike openly admits his words have not always aligned with his values and the way he has led his life. Um, if, if voters believe that, um, I think they'll be fine with it. But that gets to the question of authenticity. You have to um, – you really have to um, be what you say you are. And if voters think you're faking it, which is the problem Hillary Clinton had in 2016 and the, pro the problem a lot – voters are, are just ruthless to people they think are faking it. And I think uh, – you know, I've talked to a number of Bloomberg supporters – or I don't know if they still are supporters – who when he talked back when he apologized for stop and frisk said he's selling out. He's just like a, all those other politicians saying what people want to hear in order to get their vote. So that really could work against him. Again, I think it depends on how he explains himself. And, um, you know, mostly what, what voters mostly know about him so far is what they're seeing in ads where he totally gets to control the information that voters see. But, you know, now, now he's that he's going to be debates. participating in the debates, yeah. he's going to have to do more, uh, probably more, t a little bit more press where he, you know, he has to face challenging questions. I mean, he has to seem convincing. Um, and I think, you know, it's totally plausible that things change. And so... And one's views can change. Your views can. Should, frankly, you can make an argument that your views should change over time because uh, situation, you know, and you see that in public polling, for example. I mean, a majority of Americans now think pot should be legal. Mm -hmm. But they didn't think that 25 years ago. Um, and it's just because that's something that has changed. Um, culturally, that has changed. More people uh, are, are openly accepting gay marriage because that's something that culturally has changed. So, I mean, as these things change, your politicians should change. Um, and I think it should, you know, for a, for a, uh, a politician who's telling the truth about he or she, how he or she has evolved over time, I don't think that's a hard case. I, but we certainly know there are politicians who kind of just try to figure out what their position is based on what the polls say they should be, and then they flip. Uh, you know, those are the flip-floppers. You know, one thing that Mike Bloomberg is not great, he's not a great orator. He's not. And he doesn't <laughs> like criticism, public criticism. I've actually seen where he's being interviewed by people and he'll cut them off before they're able to finish their question. He sort of, the voice gets high and he sort mm -hmm. of tends to be a little whiny. The voice is a little high and whiny to, to start begin with. with. And then, <laughs> so so it, even when he, he's really not, it can come off as seeming like he is on the defensive. Yeah. And then people wonder, well, why so, why so defensive? Are you guilty of something? So I think for, for Mike Bloomberg, it might actually be a perception problem the way he comes off during the debates because with all of his ads and with all of the money behind them, he's been able to carefully craft that message and say this is the Michael Bloomberg – 
you know, the unblemished Michael mm-hmm. Bloomberg I want to uh, put forward. The unblemished, advertised, advertising perfect Michael Bloomberg, Holding right? the babies Completely, and, perfectly in minority retouched. communities. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think what you're talking about is charisma. Yeah, that's it's personal that's it. charisma. And it does matter. Uh, you know, voters want to like uh, the candidate. Um, but as, was, as, was Donald Trump likable? See, that's I don't I don't necessarily I think, think he, he's I, got a bunch I think of charisma. He totally. Was, I think he was totally likable among the people who voted for him. I think he was even lovable by the people who voted mm-hmm. for him. I, I think this, I think this is Trump's like secret formula, which is that he um, because he is a person who is so offensive to the establishment. He's um, beloved by the unestablishment. I think the fact, you know, he wears their uh, their scorn as a badge of pride, and it works. I think that was a Dan Quayle saying from the 1980s, I wear their scorn as a badge of, badge of pride. Trump has never been that eloquent, but it works for him <laughs> even better than it did for Dan Quayle. Um, so I think Trump is, was loved by en- and liked by enough people to win, clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, you know, um, those were real votes that got him elected. Um, so this, I think this really matters. And I, I actually think part of the problem on the, I mean, I think it's why Bernie Sanders is doing so well, because, um, he is so willing to, um, stick his finger in the eye of the establishment and he has been for his whole life almost. And, um, he's so willing and he's so consistent and authentic about it that he's able to really fire up those 25% who are voting for Bernie Sanders. Um, but it's not 45%. And, um, you know, Trump got he, Trump literally got the bare minimum in 2016. And I think part of the problem is that, that the Democrats are struggling with right now is they don't have anybody who can get that bare minimum of people who really like or love them. Now, let's get back to the fundamentals here, which is the policies. Right. All right. Charisma. My feeling is charisma is great. But, you know, what are you going to do for me? And when you take a look at his policies, he just now released uh, his policies on on retirees mm-hmm. and retirement, Social Security, higher education. Um, some of these things align somewhat with his Democratic rivals. Some are very right. different. Um, but one thing I feel is missing across the board is how is he going to pay for most of these programs? And I was surprised at that, given his background as a businessman, that he wouldn't come forward, knowing that would be a hole that everybody could, could point to. Mm-hmm. Why not show us, lay out, even if it's not going to be popular? How are you going to pay for these programs? Uh, that's a good good question. And I think that he got a late start on some of these things. So, I mean, the past like 10 days have been this cavalcade of new Bloomberg plans. I mean, he's almost had one a day for the last week. So um, a lot of the other candidates, uh, you know, the other candidates have been in the debates since the first debate was, I think, at the beginning of last summer. Or it could have been even earlier than that. I've mm-hmm. tried to watch. I have watched almost all of them. And so they've been hammering each other on these questions for nine, let's say, nine months. And Bloomberg is only now getting into this mix. And he, he, he and he's because he hasn't been in the t- debates until now. No, none of the other candidates are saying, Mike, what's your answer? What's your answer? Or he doesn't have a moder- moderator saying, how would you blah? So Elizabeth Warren, you know, she uh, waffled for months about how she would pay for Medicare for all. And Bernie Sanders has only offered options to pay for Medicare for all. He hasn't actually said which option he prefers. Uh, and it was months before Elizabeth Warren finally said, OK, OK, here's my plan. It's a I'm going to this wealth tax, but I'm going to double or triple it or whatever she did to pay for it. So some of the things I, I have not added up all of Bloomberg's plans and the costs, but he has um, proposed a financial transaction tax, um, which is an interesting idea because uh, it 
directly takes aim at the claim that he's too close to Wall Street. So Wall Street hates this idea. Um, and we've, I've talked with people from the Investment Company Institute, which represents, uh, in, you know, like the mom and pop investing firms, the Fidelis and Vanguards of the world. And they say, oh, it's terrible. It would, um, this would actually cost, um, re- you know, mom and pop investors, regular middle class investors, X amount of money. I don't know what their study comes out with, but, um, you know, it would, so they're saying you got, this would affect every index fund. S&P, every, every S&P 500 index fund would suddenly face these much higher costs. And I guess Mike Bloomberg, I mean, somebody really should ask him about the nitty gritty of this in an interview. Like he should come here and we would love to hear him explain. It's uh, a tax have been of asking. one-tenth of a it's percent? It's one-tenth of one percent okay. on financial trades. And you can also set a threshold um, so that it only – you only have to pay it uh, above income levels of something. Like you, like uh, one proposal I know of is like above a million dollars. So only if you're a wealthy investor. But the problem according to the investment world is that um, – uh, S&P 500, like index funds, have to make trades all the time. They're forced in to, order, right. In order to maintain the balance that goes along with the index. So they're going to rack up fees. So they would rack up fees that would just get pa- passed on mm-hmm. to, um, you know, so I guess if Fidelity's S&P 500 fund, I'm sure, has trillions of dollars invested. So it would be above the threshold. And K's, yeah. But those fees, those costs would be passed on to you even if you only have $5,000 worth of shares. Okay. But Bloomberg, um, you know, so we need to hear what he says on this. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also heard some financial people say, look, we, it will be fine. Um, we have, we you know, have to deal with higher fees and taxes kind of all the time one way or another. It can be at the state level, by the way. Um, and uh, we're, we're actually very good. <laughs> Believe it or not, we're very good at financial engineering in the financial industry, and we will find a way to survive. So I think that's what Bloomberg's saying. I think he, I can't remember the others at this point, and we can do a, a deeper dive in another podcast on Bloomberg's actual policies. As we but learn more does, about them, for sure, for sure. I think he does support um, higher uh, or a different type of uh, state tax, um, higher capital gains taxes. So and you again for those you know for an estate tax by definition there's already a pretty high threshold doesn't normally hit middle class families uh, for uh, capital gains taxes you can also put a threshold there so you only have to pay the higher so like one one uh, kind of common idea is for people above let's say five hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars in household income just tax capital gains as labor income. You know, in terms of a wealth tax, he has. Um put his support behind more progressive tax, tax he policies. He doesn't, he doesn't support a wealth tax. But he he says the wealth tax proposed by Warren goes too far. But does he not – he says no to a wealth tax out of hand? As far as I know, he does not pr- support or propose any wealth tax at all. And um, by the way, um, uh, Bloomberg is very closely aligned – I mean, you know, not literally policy by policy, but in general, in the general, the general approach of his policies – very closely aligned with the other four moderates, which is uh, I'm I'm going to forget one of them at some point Buttigieg, along the way, but it's Klobuchar. Biden, yeah, Biden, Buttigieg, Klobuchar, and I get I guess Bloomberg would be the fourth. Right. So there are four total, which is six. That's six total Democrats that we're still talking about, um, and at all four all four of them 
do not support a wealth tax. Um, and there are some obvious problems with the wealth, ta wealth tax, such as it could be very hard to enforce. Mm -hmm. How do you establish what somebody's wealth is, especially for um, private businesses that have, you know, have never been on the market, don't have a stock, so they're very hard to value. Uh, art collection, real estate that hasn't sold in 20 years, how do you value that stuff? Um, so just for r reasons of practicality, um, that's a totally solid reason to oppose a wealth tax. And by the way, you can just raise other taxes on the wealthy in ways that we know are much easier to do. I, I, I personally, I think the idea of raising the capital gains tax on the wealthy, if you need money for a good cause, and by the way, you shouldn't just raise taxes to do it. You should only do it because you need money for something you feel is going to be better bang for the buck. I think um, just putting a labor income tax rates on capital gains above some income threshold is a good way to do it because we know the income tax works. Um, the me you don't have to create a new mechanism within the IRS to collect some new tax we've never had before. You just change the withholding. Yeah. Well, look, we're, we're going to be talking more about Mike Bloomberg's policies and all the candidates' policies as we move closer to this November election. But you know what, Rick? This uh, race just got a lot more interesting. It, I love the fact that um, the that Sanders, uh, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren now have to compete against the very billionaire, the, the very <laughs> type of billionaire that they just have been deriding the yeah. whole time. And Bernie Sanders in particular viscerally hates billionaires. You can tell. Elizabeth Warren, too, of kind of, but she's fading. In those debates. Yeah. I'll tell you it's that. It's going to get better. It's going to, and we're going to be here to dissect it all. So thanks so much, everybody, for listening to this Electionomics podcast. Be sure to follow me at Alexis TV News. And me at Rick J. Newman. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.